You might have caught their interview on 2020, two lovely young women with a speech pattern you can't quite place, hopeful about their futures outside of the horrific home they were raised in. The family photos showed trips to Disneyland and matching t-shirts, so no one suspected the 13 children were secretly being chained to beds and only allowed to shower once a year. This is the story of the Turpin family and where they are now. Hi friends, I'm Katie, and this is Katie Does Crime. In January 2018, 17-year-old Jordan Turpin escaped her family's house of horrors through a window at around 6 a.m. and stood on the road while she dialed 911 on a deactivated cell phone. She had rarely been outside her Paris, California home, so she didn't understand the point of sidewalks. In a voice that sounded like it belonged to a much younger person, she told the 911 operator that her parents were abusive, hitting the children, throwing them across the room, yanking out their hair. She said her sisters were currently chained up inside the house. When the operator asked her address, she said, I've never been out. I don't know anything about the streets. When the operator asked if anyone at the house took medication, she said, I don't know what medication is. She hadn't had a bath in almost a year, hadn't seen a doctor in five years, and had never been to a dentist. When she and her siblings were chained up inside the house, they were only sometimes allowed to go free to use the bathroom. She said they lived in such filth that it could be hard to breathe. When police came to the home 70 miles east of L.A. later that day, they found 13 children who had suffered abuse and torture from the people who should have loved them most. Their mother was born Louise Ann Robinette on May 24, 1968, and their father, David Allen Turpin, was born October 17, 1961. The two were raised in West Virginia and met at church. David was able to sign Louise out of her high school one day, and they ran away to get married in 1985. He studied computer engineering at Virginia Tech and eventually worked for Lockheed Martin and Northrop Grumman, while Louise was a homemaker. Three years into their marriage, they had their first child, and as Pentecostal Christians, they felt called to eventually have ten daughters and three sons. They gave them all names beginning with J. In the late 1990s, the Turpins moved near Fort Worth, Texas, to one of those sprawling lots where the neighbors wouldn't have much chance to pry. People who interacted with them noticed that they were a bit odd, like when one of the children said they weren't allowed to tell their names. The father, David, would practice shooting at cans, his gun aimed toward the road instead of his own backyard. The children were reportedly bullied at school for wearing the same clothes every day, smelling bad, and having weird haircuts, which may be one of the reasons they all began homeschooling. Authorities were called twice on the family, once over a dog bite, and once when their pig got loose and ate the neighbor's dog food but apparently neither visit raised suspicion. The neighbors found it strange that the family rarely left the house, but they didn't want to have any trouble with anyone in such a small town. Toys, Christian school books, and trash piled up alongside the house until the family picked up and moved to California in 2010 for David's job. It was four years later that they would move into the Paris, California home where their 17-year-old daughter would escape and make that 20-minute call to 911. Of her bravery that day, she says, I think it was us coming close to death so many times. It was literally now or never. What police found inside the home were carpets covered in feces from the times the children weren't allowed to get out of their chains to go to the bathroom, and you can imagine how that smelled. The oldest of the Turpin clan, who was 29 years old but so malnourished that she weighed 82 pounds, and three children still chained and padlocked in dark rooms inside, even as police said Louise looked perplexed as to why they'd be raiding the house. One of those chained up was an adult, 22 years old. Jordan said they'd never been allowed breakfast and were fed only tiny amounts of peanut butter, bologna, frozen burritos, and chips. 
their parents would mock them by putting food just out of their reach or forbid the children from touching perfectly good food only to throw it out when it became moldy. Some of the children were found to have cognitive impairment and neuropathy after years of physical abuse. They were said to have been slapped and punched. The older children, fully grown adults, weren't allowed to move out of the house nor have jobs, even though David was the sole provider for this family of 15. Records show the house was registered as the Sandcastle Day School, where David was named principal. That day, David and Louise were arrested on suspicion of child abuse and torture, and their children were transported to local medical centers. Louise's sister said Louise had always been the good girl who never even drank nor smoked. Louise's brother said he didn't suspect anything was wrong because she would post Facebook photos of trips to Disneyland in Las Vegas. When the parents renewed their vows in front of an Elvis impersonator in 2011, all of the children were there in matching outfits, smiling as if everything was normal. And maybe it was normal to them if a life of abuse was all they'd ever known. They must have looked like a regular family to their California neighbors when they did things like join a holiday decor contest in 2016 and build a nativity scene in their front yard, inviting people to look at them like they had nothing to hide. Neighbors would see David and Louise buy brand new bikes for the children for Christmas that would go completely unused because they mostly weren't allowed outside. But you know, we're told not to judge what others do with their money. It turns out that in 2011, the family had filed for bankruptcy, and that's when the vacations and the new bike purchases stopped. And Louise's sister said that after she remarked about the kids looking so small, undoubtedly from the malnourishment, Louise cut off Zoom contact and began only talking over the phone. At the time of the raid on the home, the children's grandparents said they hadn't seen the family in four or five years. In February 2019, the following year, David and Louise pleaded guilty to one count of torture, four counts of false imprisonment, six counts of cruelty to a dependent adult, and three counts of willful child cruelty. At their sentencing, they both apologized to their children, but in that way that truly horrible people do. I'm sorry if I've done anything to cause them harm, David said. I love my children so much, Louise said. In April 2019, they were both sentenced to 25 years to life in prison, but will be eligible for parole after 25 years. Many people point to neighbors who could have noticed that something strange was going on inside the houses where the Turpins lived, and those who had contact with the family said that yes, in hindsight, they should have recognized the signs. One woman said that when she greeted the family, none of them even acknowledged her, not even Mother Louise, like they had all been trained not to speak to anyone. Another said she had seen the children being marched around their bedroom at night, robotic and military-like. One of them even said that the oldest girl ran away once back in Texas, but the police returned her home and handed her over into the supposedly loving arms of her parents. Quote-unquote private schools, like the one being operated by the family, aren't regulated nor licensed, but they're supposed to be subject to a yearly fire marshal inspection. It's unclear if that ever took place. What makes you really sick is to see David and Louise enjoying themselves in Vegas, wearing matching Elvis sunglasses and holding hands. Apparently, they renewed their vows at least three times. They loved going to Disneyland so much that they had personalized license plates for their cars that said D-Land and DL forever. They would feed themselves regular meals while starving their children and torture their children if they washed their hands above the wrists, accusing them of playing in the water. Louise's sister says that the abused became the abuser because when they were growing up, they suffered at the hands of their own mother, who knowingly allowed her grandfather to assault them in exchange for living expenses. Her sister says it's no excuse, but that it was a hard, sad childhood for Louise. After their chaste upbringing, Louise's sister said Louise and David left the church, became involved in other sinister religions, and got mixed up in gambling and swinging. At the same time, they were becoming more abusive to their children. 
Despite the terrible things that happened to them, the Turpin children are determined to take their lives back and were quickly exposed to normal kid activities upon their rescue, like watching Harry Potter movies and eating lasagna. At the time of her parents' sentencing, one of them said she was in college, making it on her own, and making the friends she'd never been allowed to have. Another said he had learned to ride a bike, but he was still having nightmares. And yet he forgives his parents for their crimes against him. Though some are in foster care, they make it a point to get together as a family. Unfortunately, they haven't escaped all of the trauma just because they escaped one house of horrors. Five of the children were reportedly abused by their new foster parents. At least two have been homeless, and one was released from her foster family to make it on her own despite having no life skills and no money. The hundreds of thousands of dollars in donations that came in for the family are tied up in a trust that a court-appointed guardian has control over, and this person wouldn't even allow one of the sons the funds to buy a bike, let alone to further their education. In an interview with 2020, sisters Jordan and Jennifer, beautiful and poised young women, say the siblings have been placed in crime-ridden neighborhoods. A Riverside County judge just last month ordered all of the records related to their care and conservatorship to be unsealed, and they should be available to the public in the very near future. Hopefully the siblings will find peace in their new lives, and hopefully the rest of us can learn to trust our guts when we see children in what seem to be strange circumstances. You never know what's behind closed doors. Thank you for tuning into my podcast episode. I'm just a true crime fan like you are, and I really appreciate you taking a chance on me. Please subscribe and tell a friend if you like spending this time together. You can also find me on YouTube in the flesh by searching Katie Does Crime.